to the apocalypse. It's a perfect day for some mayhem because you're listening to Know the Lord. It's me, Chris, aka Slur Nerd, and thank you for listening to this show. If this is your first time, what I do here is I dissect every bit of lore that I can get my hands on, then I report it straight back to you. The first episode, I gave you the Overwatch backstory, and from then on, we've been talking about at least two of our characters for each episode, and I've even speculated on some potentially new characters in one of the earlier episodes and a couple here and there on the subsequent episodes, but today, we have a triple threat because we're going to talk about Junkrat, we're going to talk about Roadhog, and Farah. Let's get started with everybody's favorite psychopath, my favorite, Junkrat. So first of all, a little bit of trivia because I love trivia around these characters and I found a lot on this one in particular. So Junkrat's real name is Jameson Fox and being someone who loves explosions, his last name was given to him after Guy Fox, a character in British history who infamously tried to blow up the House of Parliament. I know you've all seen the Guy Fox masks before that's been made popular by the comic V for Vendetta by Alan Moore and the subsequent movie. And the mask has become now like a symbol of the internet vigilante group called Anonymous. Yes, I am calling them vigilantes and not terrorists because anyone that goes after human garbage like Donald Trump or Roosh V is good in my book. So definitely vigilantes. Moving on, um, Junkrat's legendary skins are based off of two Batman villains, Scarecrow and the Joker. And the canteen that he carries, it doesn't include water or alcohol. It's actually filled with boba milk tea, half sweet. This seems like a really random like thing for Blizzard to throw out there, but they were very specific as to what that is, and that's really cool because, I mean, boba tea is amazing. Who doesn't like boba tea? And despite how old he looks, Junkrat is only 25 years old. That, that blew my mind because I, I looked at this guy and expected him to be at least in his 30s, maybe early 40s. No, he's young. He's only 25. Um, and he grew up and lives in the Australian Outback, which is now pretty much just a radiated wasteland. So lots of comparisons um, to him and Roadhog have been made to the Mad Max series, which also has a very similar plot. What you don't know is that Junkrat has kind of a sympathetic and tragic backstory which just makes me love this character even more. I mentioned before that the Australian Outback was one of the locations of the Omniums where the Omnics were manufactured. And once the Omnic crisis was over, there was a bunch of Omnics with nowhere to go. So the United Nations wanted to get along peacefully and avoid another conflict. So they took the displaced Omnics and they granted them the Omnium and the surrounding land of the Australian Outback. However, the problem there was that there was people already living in the area and calling it home. Jameson Fox was just an infant at the time, but he was one of them. So these people banded together and they called themselves the Australian Liberation Front. And having been betrayed by their own government, they caused destruction and chaos across the country, waging war on both the Australian government and the Omnics that were taking over their homes. At some point, a group of the ALF took things too far. And what they did was they infiltrated the Omnium and they sabotaged the fusion core there, which 
um, caused a subsequent meltdown and a massive explosion that leveled the area, bathing it in radiation and making living conditions almost impossible. It's not confirmed, but I've heard from a few sources this this may have been how uh, Jameson Fox lost his leg and and perhaps his arm as well. Like it, it's you know what I mean. Stuff like that isn't confirmed. This is that's just speculation, but speculated that he lost his limbs in that explosion. But regardless, the radiation and the trauma absolutely damaged the survivors in the outback, both physically and mentally. And Fox was definitely no exception. So, with many of them dead, and with their homeland destroyed, the ALF fell apart. However, many of the survivors formed a new group that was more of a loosely enforced gang more than anything, and they were called the Junkers. And the Junkers were basically pirates of the land. So they were lawless, and they were brutal, and they stole and they scavenged everything they could to survive. And this is how Jameson Fox grew up, and he became known as Junkrat. He scavenged and looted anything he could, and because he, as Junkrat, was basically born from a giant explosion, he became absolutely obsessed with explosions, using parts he scavenged to build bombs, mines, grenades, all other kinds of devices. So one day, Junkrat finds himself in what was left of the Omnium, looking for spare parts, and he discovered something. Whatever it was, we don't really know yet, but... It must have been a big deal, because Junkrat suddenly became the number one target for numerous gangs, bounty hunters, and any other opportunist. So with everyone looking to kill or capture Junkrat, he was constantly on the run, robbing banks or doing whatever dirty work he could to make money and survive, and this desperation led him to meet with a fellow Junker, an enforcer of very few words, known as Roadhog. Junkrat promised to split everything with Roadhog 50-50 so long as he could keep Junkrat alive. Reluctantly, Roadhog agreed and became his bodyguard. However, the two ended up striking it off really well and they left Australia, starting a crime spree across the world and becoming the best of friends in the weirdest way possible. And you know what? I, like I said, I usually talk about two characters per episode, and I'm doing three this time. And a lot of that is because Roadhog and Junkrat's stories are so intertwined, right? So I'm going to get into Roadhog's story right now, and there's going to be a lot of similarities. So some of it I can skip over because a lot of his origin also has to do with what I already told you about Junkrat. But without further ado, let's go ahead and get into Roadhog. So Roadhog wasn't always the brutal killing machine he's now known for. Um, originally, he was just a solar farmer living in the outback, and his name was Mako Rutledge. As Junkrat was born out of the Omnium explosion, Roadhog was really born from the Australian government's betrayal of their people. So, Mako was somewhere in his mid-twenties when the government handed over the land, making the people who lived there homeless. As a result, he became one of the founding members of the ALF. The conflict escalated until those rebel ALF members caused the Omnium to explode, and Mako could only watch in horror as his home, everything he loved, everything he had been fighting for, was destroyed. This marks the end of Mako Rutledge, who surrendered to the increasingly violent Roadhog. As such, he covered his face with a mask and he took to the roads on motorcycle, leaving behind what was left of his humanity. He became a junker, ruthless and terrifying, with a body count that made others fear his name. You have to imagine the, the kind of desperation that Junkrat felt 
when he came to Roadhog, of all people, for help. When there was more chance of Roadhog murdering him rather than protecting him. But perhaps it was realizing that their similar pasts or mutual hate for everyone else that gave Roadhog back a shred of his humanity and it earned him a friend in the process. This may have lightened him up a bit as Roadhog is apt to steal things like ice cream and stuffed animals, not things you would expect from a ruthless killer, as his reputation says. I think the relationship between these two characters is honestly really fascinating, especially because as insane and depraved as he is, Junkrat honestly cares about Roadhog. In the comic called Going Legit, we see the two of them taking a job from a businessman offering lots of money to blow up a facility full of Omnics. It turns out they were being set up and when the police confronted them, although Junkrat had already offhandedly referred to Roadhog as being fat, when a police officer does the same, it sends Junkrat into this raging frenzy who immediately tries to kill all of them for insulting his friend. Luckily, Roadhog seems to have more brains than Junkrat and pulls him away to safety when the bullets and explosions start flying. It's also Roadhog that reminds Junkrat, other than Omnix, what else can you not trust? To which Junkrat replies, suits, which is their term for rich people, and helps Junkrat realize that the guy who hired them to destroy the facility had actually set them up. So in typical fashion, Junkrat and Roadhog went back to the suits office building, hung him outside, and blew up the building. And one last interesting fact about both of these two is that they uphold some kind of heist or robbed a place in many of the levels of the game, including Dorado, King's Row, and Hanamura. So we pretty much ran the gamut on those two lovable psychotic killers, so let's move on to our last hero of the episode, Farah. So Farah's real name is actually Faria Amari, and her origin is no real secret. Her mother was Ana Amari, one of the original members of the Overwatch team that I spoke about in an earlier episode, and now you know that Anna is also a playable character in Overwatch, so that's kind of cool. We've got a mother-daughter um, relationship. It's two different characters we can play, so very awesome. Um, but Faria's relationships with her mother was strained, but she did look up to her and strode to follow in her footsteps. She joined the Egyptian army, where she quickly rose through even the officer ranks, and she was described as a leader, courageous, determined and earned the loyalty of all that she served with. Because of her amazing military record, she was handpicked to join Overwatch. However, before anything could be made official, Overwatch was disbanded. As Basically, as she was going through the process, that's when everything went down between Reyes and Morrison at the Swiss headquarters, which exploded and ended up with those two supposedly dead. We kind of know otherwise. Spoiler alert! But, uh, yeah. So, unable to achieve her lifelong dream of being in Overwatch, she left the military with commendation for distinguished service and took a position with a firm called Helix Security International, which mostly guarded the former Overwatch facilities, most notably Watchpoint Grand Mesa, and a secret facility beneath the Giza Plateau where Faria was stationed. The Giza Plateau facility was considered paramount for the safety of not only the country, but the entire world. As such, Faria had the best equipment at her disposal, including the Raptora Mark VI, an advanced combat armor and weapon system capable of flight. After mastering this combat suit, she was given the call sign Farah. 
It turns out that the facility was actually guarding one of the AI God programs that had been quarantined during the Omnic Crisis and may have been one of the root causes of the whole thing. This God program has the ability to not only take over Omnics, but can corrupt any computer system to destroy infrastructure or even commit military strikes. This particular AI, called Anubis, had broken free and infected the Omnics in the facility. If it were to escape the facility by bypassing the firewalls in place, it could start a new Omnic crisis, or even global catastrophe. A team of engineers had gone in, not knowing the extent of the damage or that the Omnics inside had been compromised, so when they didn't return, a strike team, including Farah, was sent in to save any survivors and contain Anubis. The team was successful even though many lives were lost, including an Omnic on the team named Okoro, who felt Anubis taking control of him as they approached. He was able to warn the team about the other Omnics and then kill himself before Anubis could use him against his human teammates. Another casualty was Farah's captain, and upon his death, she was promoted. Farah's story here in the Giza Plateau comes from the comic mission statement and may have been the biggest impact on Overwatch overall because it confirms the existence of the AI God programs, that they were most likely the cause of the Omnic Crisis to begin with, and that they haven't been destroyed. But there's so many secrets it leaves us with. How many God programs can there be? Where are the rest of them? Why are they being contained rather than destroyed, or can they even be destroyed? Perhaps the biggest question of all is where did they come from? If someone created the God programs, you can only imagine the implications that could have down the road. That big secret that I talked about that Junkrat discovered somewhere in the remains of the Omnium in the Australian Outback. Could it be that he discovered something that had to do with the God programs? We don't know. So we're leaving this episode today with more questions than answers, but I still hope you gained a lot from the lore that we covered in this massive episode today. So send an email to ktl at nerdsloth.com or message me on Twitter at slurnerd and tell me your theories on the AI God programs and what's the big secret that you think Junkrat uncovered. Thank you again for listening, and next week, we're going to talk about the mind and heart of Overwatch, Winston and Tracer. Sorry, I need to jet. Chris here. If you enjoy the show, please rate, like, subscribe, comment, or share, as every little bit you do helps the show. Know the Lore is recorded and produced by NerdSloth. More episodes can be found at nerdsloth.com along with our other awesomely nerdy shows. Search for NerdSloth on social media such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Music heard during the show is the Overwatch Victory theme remixed by DJ Efficia. Go to efficia.com to hear more. I'm